dream that you had? A dream that I had. I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, when my mom turned 70, she had this 70th birthday wish. You know, And when your mom has a 70th birthday wish, you, you're just like, okay, mom, I'm going to do it. Even if you don't want to do it, you're going to do it, right? You would do that for your mom if she were seven years old and she has, I have this last wish. She wished that her two sons would accompany her to the motherland. The land that is flowing with melty boba. The land of our forefathers and Jeremy Lin. Yes, the beautiful land of Taiwan. You guys can clap if you want. No, I'm just joking. Don't don't clap on that. But that was was her wish. And so her boys were like, okay, mom, if that's what you want, let's go to Taiwan. So we were going to Taiwan, right? And as we were going to Taiwan, I fell asleep on the plane. And then when I woke up from the dream, I was like, I just think I had a dream from God. Now, listen, I don't dream, well, I don't remember my dream very much. And still even more rare is when I wake up from a dream and go, I just think I heard from God. But this is one of those dreams where I heard, like, I am 99.8% sure I just heard from God. And what I saw was a mountain and a lush valley. And God said some really cool stuff. I'm not going to say all of it. Actually, I'm just going to tell you a little part. But basically what he told me is that he's called me to be lead pastor at Christian Layman Church and and, and the church was going to grow and flourish. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me give you some caveats. One of the caveats is that this does not mean that our board cannot fire me, okay? Sometimes you just feel like, well, he's called to be here. You can't fire him. No, you can fire me still, you know? Dreams are not the equivalent of Scripture, okay? Uh, so that's, that's a little, like, uh, disclaimer. But the, but, but the, the, the other thing is this. There are certain times where I get really discouraged. There are certain times where I just feel like I need to find a new job. There are days like that. And during those days, I think about the dream. And I go, no, 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 no. Not only did I choose this, but God called me to this. And not only did God call me to this, but he is going to grow and flourish our church. But here's the thing, just because I had a dream does not make me believe necessarily in what God's doing at our church. And just because we have a really cool track record does not necessarily mean that uh, I believe in what God is doing at our church. This is why I believe in what God is doing in our church. It comes from passages of scripture like Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. Now, if you read that chapter, it has the effect of like, did I just read? Is this really saying what I think it's saying? Now, let me, let me, let me just read that, that, that chapter to you so that we are, we are clear on uh, where my hope for our church comes from. It's Ephesians 1.19, and this is what it says. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Okay, now... now so, okay, power towards us who believe. Power that's working inside us is how the NIV. Power that's working. Now, how does God describe this power? This is like, really, really? According to the working of his great might, God, God it power, that he worked in Christ, okay, okay, when he raised him from the dead. Do you guys hear that? Do, do you guys hear that? 
Basically, this scripture is saying that the power that rose Jesus from the grave is at work in our church and in his people. Okay, you guys are his people. This is his church. That means that resurrection power is working inside. Do you? So, so here are some of the implications. It means that when Jesus died, it changed everything. How did it? Well, it means that our sins are covered, forgiven, and atoned for. And when he rose from the grave, it means that it also changed everything. And Paul is saying it means that that same power that rose Jesus from the grave is alive in God's people in his church, which includes our church. Oh my gosh, the power, the hope that's at work and alive inside us. When was the last time you thought about that? Did you wake up this morning realizing that? Are you leaving church realizing the great, amazing power that rose Jesus from the grave is working inside our church? Now, that should, and it will, and it's going to change everything. I believe in what God is doing at Christian Layman Church, but it's not just based on the track record. It's not just based on the dream that I had. It's based on God's word. Jesus rose from the grave. And that power is working inside our church. And so we are going to make plans in accordance with that power. Amen. 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 It's contagious. We're going somewhere. Now, uh, listen, here, here are some implications for what it means. Uh, I'm going to talk about some things that we're, I'm going to affirm some things. I'm going to talk about some new dreams that's in accordance with that power. Now, now this is the, the, the first thing I wanted to, to, to talk about. What I want you guys to do is just kind of look around the room. Um, just look, I mean, basically people on this side can look over here and people over here can look on this side and you can look at each other and spouses can look at each other. And, and uh, what's one thing that's unique in our church? I had a young person say this to me recently, and I was like, duh, of course. One thing that's really unique about our church is that we are intergenerational. It's unique about Christian Lehman Church. Now, you go to, to other churches, maybe closer to campus, or other churches more that way, it may not be as intergenerational. Maybe like five years ago, we had a very big missing demographic, but that, that's been filled. In fact, there's probably more of them now than the rest of us. But anyways, <laughs> we are an intergenerational church. Now, what does that mean? That means there are certain people here, I'm not going to call them out, but they grew up and they like and they listen to someone like Frank Sinatra, right? <laughs> who are you, <laughs> right? And then there's other people who grew up and they listen to uh, Justin Bieber. <laughs> really? You own that? Gloria listened to Justin Bieber. Who else listened to Justin Bieber? You guys, I was going to say you used to, but Gloria still listens to him, right? Good job, Gloria. And there's, a, I don't know, Justin Bieber is outdated. It's more like Drake. Adele? Okay, but you get the point. The point is that there are different generations all under the same roof. There are people here with young families. When I, when I, my kids were infants and toddlers, one time I was looking at my wife and like, man, uh, Reno, what are you looking forward to, to doing when the kids go to bed? You know what she said to me? I can't wait to go to the bathroom. That's what she said to me. That's a different life stage. There are people who have moved beyond that stage. There are, there, and, and, and there are people here who are single. And there are people here who are happy being single and don't want to be married. And there are people here who are single. The, my point is there's, there's, there's all these different kinds of generational people. Now, what would you expect to happen? 
Because resurrection power is working in this church. What would you happen, expect to happen when there's different generations all in one same room? What would you expect to happen? I would expect them to kind of mix. I would expect them to explore and see how the gospel applies to each different life stage. I would expect there to be mutual learning among the generations. We have this opportunity. Not every church does. Why don't we leverage it? You know what I saw last week that was really cool? I saw some young people come to our church. Amazing. And instead of sitting there, they sat there. Now, of course, they didn't talk to anyone over there, but no, they, they sat over there. You guys talk to people, right? That was pretty cool. And it was interesting with young people here, old people came and they were like, where do we sit? We don't know where we sit. It's all very confusing for us. I'm, I would expect if resurrection power is at work that people would be mixing and there would be this sharing of life and there would be this this amazing sense of the gospel is working uniquely in all these different life stages. And I want to be a part of that. I don't want to learn and I want to get to know and I want to be a mentor of sorts. And I want to be mentored. I mean, we have this opportunity. What do you say? We leverage it. Okay, so can we have people like sit? No, no, no. But we'll, we'll, we'll keep on doing that. Now, let me, let me just give you an, another um, um, opportunity that we have because resurrection power is working inside us. Can I have all uh, the people who are, um, you're either a family man or a family woman. Can I just get you to stand for a second, you know? Yeah, you may need a parent or you're married, you know? Yeah, I just get you to stand, yeah. No, you don't have to clap. No, no clapping. No clapping. Why? You want to clap because you're married? No, I'm joking. Because you had kids? No, it's good. Great. No, we, 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 par- we parents around the room, we actually, we do need that sort of encouragement. But here's the thing. Now, here is the mind-blowing idea. The mind-blowing idea is that res- God's resurrection power is at work in your family. Now, I don't know. You're probably like, I got into my f- a fight with my kid on the way here. What are you talking about, Right? But is that a reality? I believe it's a reality. I mean, if, if, you're, if you are, have authority in your family, and you do have authority in your family, if you, you, you pray, dedicate your family to Christ, and I, I believe you do that, then resurrection power is at work in your family. You know? It's at work in your influence. Now, we as a church are so committed to you guys and the raising of your families to raise your kids and your family to be strong and thriving in Christ. There's wonderful promises for you from the Lord, and we want to see each one of those realized. We are committed to you guys. We want to do this together. Okay, you guys can sit. Oh, actually, actually, can we just have everyone stand up? Here, here's, 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 another, here's another reality. Can we have everyone stand up? Here's another reality because resurrection power is at work in, inside us. And this is where we're going to branch into some, some new thoughts, some new dreams. Uh, for everyone who's standing here, because God's resurrection power is at work inside you, he is calling every single person in our church to be a world changer. I believe that. I believe that, that God is going to somehow work in your life and that impact will actually be felt around the world. Now, you guys can sit down. I want to impact this. I want to uh, share more about this because I think this is a, a bit of a new direction in where the church is going. It is very exciting. I do believe that God is calling Christian Layman Church to be a sending church. 
Now, what's Ascending Church? Ascending Church is a church that is so caught up in the mission of God, locally and abroad, so caught up in the compassion and the mission of God, so engaged that we are giving our resources of time and money and heart and prayer to see God's purposes realized around the, around the world. Even to the point where the most natural thing, because we're so engaged in that conversation, is that there's going to be people in our church who are going to be called to long-term missions. I believe that. You guys believe that? I believe it's going to happen. I do believe it's going to happen. Now, let me break this down for you, okay? In our church, uh, we did some numbers. It's about 170 active adults, okay? They're not all here right now. They, they rotate in coming in, but they're here, you know, generally speaking. Out of that 177, do you know that one out of every three has gone on a short-term submission trip in the last 10 years? That's pretty good, right? You can pat someone's back and someone next to you. That's pretty good. But only a third because that's only one out of every three. I'm I'm joking. Um, Here's the thing. We would love to see that number go from one out of every three to two out of every three. Okay? This is the new ground. Now, this is what we want to do this year that we haven't done in the past. If you have never gone on a mission trip before, you've never gone to TJ, or you have gone to TJ, but you're actually willing now to go further for the first time, what we are willing to do is we are willing to reimburse half of your travel expenses. Okay, that's huge. It's one of the most significant barriers to going on a short-term mission trip, travel expenses. It's just expensive. And what the Kingdom Fund team wants to do is actually put some of that money towards offsetting the cost so that you can go. Now, why? Why? Why Why go? Why do you want us to go? The reason why we want you to go is because when you go, you, you are in this intense situation where you're relying upon God and you're meeting people. And when you meet people, your heart gets broken. And when your heart gets broken, something changes. And then you come back home and you're like, you know something? I met the single mom with, 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 uh, who, who doesn't have ends to meet at the table. I, I met the, the people who are unsafe. I met, I met and my heart was broken. I'm coming back and I want to do something about it. I want my life to be for a greater purpose. God's global mission around the world. I want it to count for something. And I've seen a place of great need. And I've seen God's heart. And I've tasted it. And I want to live radically different to fuel that mission that's going on around the world. Now, I don't know a better way to get that change in you than for you to go and meet and get your heart broken. So if we have to pay for half of those expenses to get you to go, then let's pay for them and let's get you going. Because the gospel is too powerful and our life is too short for us just to sit at home and do nothing. Let's go. Now, here's the thing. We do have certain requirements, more details, and that will come out later. But one of the requirements is that we, we require you to be a regular tender at CLC. We want you to be a part of the community. We want you to be a part of the conversation that's happening here. There's more details to come, and that will come later. Now, now, I'm predicting, because resurrection power is at work in us, that one person, it's going to start with one, is going to be called to be a long-term missionary, and then others will be called after that. But it's going to start with one. Right now, our track record is in the last 10 years. We've sent out short-term missionaries. Praise God. How many long-term missionaries have you sent out? Zero. Okay. So you're telling me that 4.5 billion people don't know Jesus, and they're headed towards a certain eternity. 1.5 have never heard of the name of Jesus. Is that acceptable to you? It's not acceptable to me. 
Not the more that I learn of God's heart in the scripture. That's not acceptable to me that 1.5 billion don't know Jesus. And from what I know from Romans, they're going to hell. That's not acceptable. And if you leave here and that's the one thing you get like, I have a holy sense of discontent that 1.5 and I want my life. Yes, that's where we're going. We don't want to be people that are okay with that. We want to be people, not like, oh, Lord, send me, but I don't want to go. But, Lord, send me. Because the mission and your glory, there's so much at stake. Send me, Lord. Okay, that kind of church. That's the kind of church that we're becoming. You want to be a part of that? You want to be a part of that? Because resurrection power is working inside our church. Now, what does this have anything to do with Psalm 1? This is where the, 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 the message is strongly going a certain way, and then at the last minute, it's like, you know, it, it, it worked. No, actually it is, but it isn't. This message is actually anchored on Psalm 1. I don't know if you know that. No, no here, this is what I mean by that. Resurrection power is working in our church. Our church is going to do more amazing things. It's done amazing things because resurrection power has been working, and it's going to continue because resurrection power is working in our church. And Leslie says, amen. Here's the thing. There is one thing we desperately need. And if we don't realize that, our resurrection power will be limited. That sounds weird. But my point is, we desperately need to hear the second part of this message. Because without the second part of this message, the first part of this message is not going to be seen. And I I believe, actually, this is rooted in our greatest problem as a church. And I've said this before. And it has everything to do with Psalm 1. Psalm 1? Psalm 1. Okay, let's go to Psalm 1. Let me, let me try to unpack this, uh, unpack this so that it makes sense to everyone in this room. Where we're going and how to get to where we're going, okay? So, Psalm 1. Psalm 1 talks about a blessed person, okay? The, the blessed man. The blessed man doesn't do three things. Doesn't walk, doesn't stand, doesn't sit. What's the commonality between those three things? The blessed person doesn't hang out with uh, people that influence them away from God. You know, I guess that would be a good summary of, the, of the, the, those, those three things that the blessed person doesn't do. Well, we're here, you know, we're here. It's, it's actually a contrary of that. But let's that's, 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 that's go there because that's where the scripture went. It, we don't, we are people who are not hanging out with people who influence us towards evil. Okay? There is the first verse. Let's go on the second verse. But this is what the blessed person does, okay? The blessed person, but his, what's the next word? Delight. How many of you guys like that word? What does that word mean? Isn't that such a delightful word? What does delight mean? Delight is something, there's, there's affection there. What does delight mean? Delight means to find something pleasurable. Okay, there's feeling that, that comes from delighting. In so- what are some things that you guys find pleasurable? I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, I realized that one thing that, that I really find pleasurable is like ramen noodles. I do. I, it, it makes me happy. Yeah, you guys are like, yeah. Uh, one thing I realized that really I find pleasurable is playing Monopoly with my kids. I, they're just fun. 
It makes me happy. Another thing that I realized, this is just me being honest, that that I find pleasure is watching Steph Curry and the highlights. I like watch it like three times, the same highlight, because it makes me happy. You know, like, wow, you can do that. He did that. He did that. Last night, he did that. That, okay, it's finding like great joy in something. Okay, so this person is delighting, joy, finding pleasurable. What is this person finding so pleasurable? Okay, now you're going to bend with me this one. God's law. You're like, law? Y- yes, God's law. Now, I, I do think what you can, you can take the law, it's metaphorical, covenantal instruction, the narrative. Now you got the whole scriptures. I do think you can say the whole scriptures from law, okay? I do, or you can, you can say this argument. If this guy finds the law, then how much more when this guy understands the narrative of what Jesus did on the cross, okay? So, so really, either way, it's scripture is very... Now, now, now track with this guy. This guy is like, man, uh, I just watched Steph Curry do this, sink this three-pointer. It's really, really cool. But you know what really gives me so much pleasure? What? When I spend time with God in his scripture. Woohoo! You know? Really? And, and, and what does this person do? He meditates on this day and night. That's a long time, right? That's like in the car. That's, uh, certainly it's at church. It's at work. It's when you're in the shower. It's when you're like waking up in the night. Okay, now, now, now at this point, this is where the disconnect comes from some people. People like, okay, Andrew wants us to think about the scripture all day long. Thank you very much. Doesn't sound very exciting. But I want you to get this point. This is so important. This person has found joy in doing this. And without that joy, there is no meditation that's sustaining. I thought what I just said was really profound, but you guys are like, yeah, yeah, I just... Let me say that again. This person found communing with God through his word, really, really enjoyable. Okay? And he did it day and night because it was really enjoyable. Did you guys get that? My my point is that it was self-sustaining. He wanted more. Why? Because there was so much joy in it. Uh, Let me give you an example. I'll give you an example. Okay, um, I didn't... Uh, last week, I was having a conversation with Vanessa. She's not here, so it's okay to say this. Um, and we were talking about whether or not we should have a donut, right? And she was like, oh, I had 20 this morning. And we're like, oh, I don't know if I should have a donut. Because I, I'm, trying to, like, I'm trying to watch my weight. You know, I am. I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm trying to watch my weight. But then here was the conviction I had. I had this conviction with Vanessa. I was like, we need to go and eat a donut. She's like, why? I was like, because listen, this diet that we have will not be self-sustaining unless there is joy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? You know that the di- if you're on a diet right now where there is no joy, I'm telling you, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. You might do it. You might do that selfish diet for a couple of months. It won't last. You're like, I want the carbs. I want... Be- why? Because... You naturally move towards the joy. You know it. You know it's true. The Christian life is an invitation towards joy. Do you understand that? This person found joy in coming to God through his word. 
And they were doing it all the time. And what sustained it was the joy. Now, if you don't have that joy and you don't know how to do this, then it seems to me that this is priority number one. Now, let me, let me put it this way. If you don't know how to have a great time, just like, oh man, that was awesome. Coming to God, communing with him through his word, then I would say make this priority number one. In fact, I would say our greatest problem as a church is we don't know how to enjoy God. And here is this person using the word of God to enjoy God for greater pleasure, and he wants more. It's like, God, I can't get enough. Day and night. Is that you? That's what I want to be. Okay, so this is the thing. If you don't have that joy, make that your first priority. Find a mentor who has it and say, teach me. I'm sitting at your feet. How do you do this? How do you have joy in God's word? If, 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 if you've never, re- buy Tim Keller's book on prayer, and there's one chapter all about meditation, just buy the book for that one chapter, read the chapter, it's well worth it. Or do this, pray every day for a greater joy in God. And I'm telling you that if you have that joy in God, you will have everything else. All the other problems of life will be on their way to being solved. Because this is the root. And if you don't have this and you're neglecting this, then I don't know. I think those other problems will continue to be unsolvable. Because it comes down to this. Now, I can prove this in the scripture. How so? Well, look at where the scripture goes. It says this person who is meditating, finding joy in God's word, communing with God through his word, is like a tree that is planted by streams of water. Can we get a picture of that? That's you. Um, But actually, this is a fruit tree, so it's actually more like this one. That's you, or it's the other one, but, but you get the idea, right? That you, you, if you do this, you will be like a tree that's planted by streams of water. Now, what, what comes next? What comes next? Which yields its fruit. Now, now I just want to make a, a quick point here. I, I got to go really quickly, but I'm, I'm going to try to, to be quick about this. If you guys have a Bible or an iPhone where your, your word is, I just want you to put it next to your, your head like this. Can you just put it next to your face, right? So the, you, you the tree, okay? You the tree, and this is the water, okay? You put it right next to your face. Some of you are too... Uh, uh, to don't want to look stupid by putting it next to your face. But look at me. Look how stupid I look. Come follow me. Come on. Be a fool for Christ. Put it next to your face. Now, here's the thing. Do you know that in certain countries, they can't even do this? There is no access to the word. But you have access to God's word. But here's the thing. We might be a tree planted by the water. But if that tree does not know how to extend its roots to life-giving water, to find nourishment and life and joy, then what's the point of being planted by the water? My point is, you got to learn how to not just read it, but study it. Not just study it, but memorize it. Not just memorize it, but meditate it. Not just meditate it, but enjoy God's Word. We need this. We need this. And without that, I don't know if we're really going to go that far in terms of impacting the world, honestly. I mean, what? If you're not enjoying God, then you're going to impact the world. What message do you have? Be miserable in Christ? Wow, that's a really powerful word. No. Our message is that there is nothing more valuable, more outstanding, more enjoyable, more awesome than Jesus Christ. And I know this because I experience it on a daily basis through his word. That's the message. 
Well, that's, that's, that's a big part of the message. That's not the message, but that is a big part of the message, which is the supreme value of Jesus. Well, if you're not experiencing it, what do you have to offer other people? Make your first priority. Extending your roots to God's word. And then you will bear fruit. There's a promise. Then, in season, you will be bearing fruit. Now, what's the fruit? Well, we talked about the fruit during the first half of the message. It's love, it's joy, it's a life of power and purpose and meaning and hope. It's a powerful, meaningful, Christ-filled life. Now, I know you want that. I want that too. Well, this is the way you get it. So, i got to wrap up. Uh, I do want to wrap up. Can I have you all stand up? It, it, this might be silly, but, but I, I hope it's at least silly and memorable, right? Do you guys know that, that song, Deep and Wide? Yay, we get to sing it. Woohoo! Okay, so uh, I was on a missions trip, and this was the hand motions. Someone really put a lot of thought and creativity in the hand motions. So when they said deep, they went like, wow, they went like this. It's a really good move, right? I know Monty loves it when we do hand motions. You guys can look at Monty for inspiration. Can you guys just go like, like deep? Just go like deep? Just deep, 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 deep. And then you go, then you go wide, right? Okay? And so we're all going to sing the song together. Like, ready? Deep, deep, deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and wide. Okay, okay, okay. Now, the point of today's message is we're going to go wide. We are going to go wide. Why? Because resurrection power is at work inside us. But here's the thing. Please don't go wide. You don't have no power to go wide unless you go deep. Learn to extend your roots, your renewed mind, your devoted heart into God's word. Okay, we're not a church of just busy hands. Busy hands without a devoted heart is quite empty. It's quite powerless. We're going to be a church of busy hands that comes from a Christ-filled heart and a renewed mind. Okay, that's the way to do it. That's where we're going. You guys ready to go? Okay, because we have resurrection power at work inside us. And our church is going to be a sending church. And amazing things are going to happen. It's happened in the past. Even when people are like, you're crazy, it's going to happen in the future. It will. Let's, let's get on board. It's going to be a great ride. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I, I, thank you that, um, I, I thank you that you didn't send us up there with a message of go but no power. I thank you that when Jesus rose from the grave, um, that meant power for his church. That meant that the same powers is working inside us. And I pray that when we, when we walk out of this church, we'd be excited. Um, in your death, yes, we share your suffering. In your death, Lord, that means the forgiveness and the atonement of sin. That is so awesome. And in your life, that means we have power for life change. So help us to make plans in accordance with that power. We love you, Lord. Let your plans come to our church for your glory.